0: inattention seriously impedes function. And it's not actually what you think. So a trend that I'm seeing in my clinical practice is a result of a lot of marketing campaigns around kind of assessing yourself for ADHD. There's two types of ADD, ADHD. ADD is just attention deficit disorder, ADHD, has the hyperactivity component that we often think of in young boys with this kind of uh, inattention hyperactivity disorder. So I'm seeing this trend of people doing online assessments based on some marketing um, that is going on around diagnosing ADD in adults, and they're coming into the office saying, you know, here's my assessment, or I did an online assessment and I have ADD and I want to be treated preferably with a stimulant medication. And so that is what I'm going to be talking about today. Not only is inattention a symptom of multiple things, treating ADD, ADHD with a stimulant is not always the right choice. And so let's dive into that. So what other things can cause inattention? Depression can cause inattention. Just think about the last time you were sad or depressed. Did you feel like focusing on something, being productive and getting things done, following through, right? Depression in and of itself, even just depressed mood, decreases attention. Okay. And so taking care of ourselves from that depression standpoint, let's talk about anxiety. We all have stress and anxiety and often feel overwhelmed. This is, um, it occupies the brain, right? Anxiety occupies the brain. And so it's taking up energy that you would be using to pay attention. And there's a lot of other mood disorders Um, and other diagnoses that actually have inattention as one of the symptoms. And so don't just jump to, I can't pay attention, therefore I have ADD or ADHD. So when we look at a true ADHD diagnosis, we are looking into childhood, okay? The true ADD, ADHD is an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. So your prefrontal cortex is up here. Your brain stem is back here. In a very healthy brain, all of these things are actively communicating in multiple ways, right? Neurobiology and neuropsychiatry is very complex, and we are actually still learning how the brain works. One of our frustrations in psychiatry is that every medication says the mechanism of action is unknown. We don't know why it works. And we only say that because every brain is different and the things that are going on are complex. It's not like other areas of the body, you know, orthopedics or uh, muscular uh, injuries where you know exactly what is happening and exactly how to fix it. So if you are struggling with inattention, I want you to think of the big picture. Or if your child is being um, told or you think that your child has ADD, ADHD. Our brains can be trained. And when we use stimulant medications, we are treating The inattention, we are bringing energy up to the prefrontal cortex. Now, 20, 30 years ago when we were young, um, I was told as a professional, and even, um, I often heard parents and professionals talk about, oh, if a stimulant medication works for a child, that means they have, that is a diagnostic confirmation. That is not true. Anyone who takes a stimulant medication will be able to focus better. This is why we have to be very, very careful with um, prescribing stimulant medications. Stimulants are um, potentially addictive and we could be covering up other kind of symptoms and, and problems. So let's talk about how the brain pays attention. Remember, I talked about the prefrontal cortex. It's way up here. It is the highest level of functioning, your executive function, your ability to um, pay attention, focus, and um, make decisions that you have control of, right? So we often see in ADD or ADHD, like impulse control problems when you have a true underdeveloped front, when you have an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex as in a premature birth a birth that has an hypoxic event or some sort of medical reason for having a underdeveloped prefrontal cortex we know that that is a, a easy diagnostic of ADHD ADD But what happens in our current system of dopamine reward, and I want you to look at this picture. This picture is a brain and kind of a very lay person's visual on what the dopamine reward system looks like, right? So in our mesolimbic uh, area of the brain, this is our reward center of the brain. We all want reward, okay? And when we receive reward, if you look at this loop, a normal loop for reward goes all the way up to the prefrontal cortex and then back down, right? And so we can work hard as as our brain develops. So If you think about a five-year-old, um, they're still developing that prefrontal cortex. And so the loop might not go all the way up there. They have less patience. But as we train and become an adult, we finished high school, maybe we've done some college, and we are able to take um, that reward and delay it, right? We can have impulse control, and the loop goes all the way up from, from the mesolimbic, which is deep into the brain, up into the prefrontal cortex, right? And then we have the memory and learned area of the brain that is involved in that dopamine reward system, and the prefrontal cortex has to do with the drive to do things. And all the way at the top is that control, specifically the executive function control, right? Lots of areas of your brain are involved in controlling different things, but but the prefrontal cortex, that highest level of functioning, is where we are able to Um, choose to pay attention, right? Based on our drive, based on memory and learned behavior, right? So we are feeding that loop. So when you can't pay attention, you're having trouble with your drive, pulling that energy all the way up to the prefrontal cortex. And I use this image in my addiction treatment as well, because when you are feeding that system, a constant reward. So addiction is a constant reward. The loop gets smaller, smaller, and smaller. And then you have less control. It is also true of anything that increases dopamine. Food increases dopamine. Um, Electronics increases dopamine. Caffeine increases dopamine, right? And so I'm not saying that you don't do those things, use those things, but understanding that Some of that is low dopamine and low drive to be able to bring that energy up into the prefrontal cortex. Why is that important? Because if you are depressed, if you are anxious, if you are overwhelmed, if you are stressed, all of those things make it hard to bring that energy up to the prefrontal cortex. So, do, do we treat it or do not treat it, right? And this is my biggest frustration in the mental health self-development um, teaching, uh, you know, from a lot of people. It's kind of all or nothing. You have people who are, you know, uh, pro-medication and they're, this is how you treat it and that is how I'm trained. I go to conferences every year on what is the newest, best thing to treat these conditions how do we bring that energy up to the prefrontal cortex how do we decrease the anxiety and depression to so that the person can choose to bring that energy up to the prefrontal cortex and then you have the self improvement self development you know alternative medicine world that says don't use stimulant medication it will you know it causes addiction and you're not treating the root cause there is some truth to not treating the root cause however sometimes we need medication in order to train our brain to be able to do some of those things. So I want you to think about this in a very balanced approach of there are times that you need to treat and there are times where you need to maybe wean that and and begin training your brain. So you need a proper diagnosis, treatment, and then knowing how to train your brain, okay? I want you to think about that loop and inattention. What is pulling your energy out of your prefrontal cortex? If you never had um, inattention problems in your childhood, made it all the way through college with no treatment of your inattention, you likely don't have true ADD. You have something else that's pulling the energy away from that Prefrontal cortex. So let's figure out what that is. In the same breath, there is times when adult ADD needs to be diagnosed because it was evident in childhood. And I'll tell you the story of myself. I always thought that I wasn't smart when I was in um, like elementary school, junior high, and then by the time I got to high school. It manifested as kind of a a rebellion around academic schooling and things like that. I did finish high school. I finished high school early because I had this drive to kind of get up and get out. However, it was very, very difficult for me to pay attention. And how that impacted me was that I believed that I wasn't smart. Okay, I'm now 50, (laughs) I know I'm smart. I'm smart in a lot of ways. I've accomplished a lot of things, but I do have serious problems, serious impairments in being able to really pay attention. And so I have to really want it. So I got all the way through high school, difficult, without medication. I went uh, to college studied really hard. Now, I wanted it, and I likely had to study harder than everyone else, but I'm driven, and that dopamine reward, I was training it, training it, training it, and I never uh, received medication. Into adulthood, as I was um, navigating my trauma, if you know anything about my story, um, I lost a, a adopted son in 2005 in a drowning accident, Then two of my other adopted daughters began aggressively aggressively rebelling. My biological son was diagnosed with catastrophic epilepsy. And so there was intense stress. And what does stress do? It increases cortisol and it also increases adrenaline. So adrenaline is a type of dopamine stimulation. And never really felt like I needed to treat that inattention. I could continue to compensate for it. When my son died in 2016, grief is a different type of trauma. And it's it's weighted and it is... Um, it, it, t- it drains your energy whereas when you are responding to trauma and actively in it your adrenaline is is keeping you going and at that point I had pretty significant problems uh, paying attention and there has been there have been periods of time in my life where I have chosen to treat this inattention so there are times to treat it but what I try to, instill uh, in my patients. And I want you to hear me when I say this, it is not a diagnosis that you take and then you don't personally do anything around it, right? We have to learn to train our brain, go back to that, that visual. Okay. If you are using uh, stimulant medication to turn on that prefrontal cortex you're not training your brain to turn on that prefrontal cortex. Okay. So there's times you might need that. And, you know, there's ADHD experts that say, if we do not treat ADD, ADHD, it could be a 20 point decrease in IQ points. That is significant. That's a difference between an 80 and a hundred. 80 have, has a hard time working at McDonald's and a hundred Could go to college. That's a pretty significant difference in IQ points. So I want to again talk about there's two things going on here um, and making sure that we're treating the right thing. So I have three things for you. Make sure that you're taking the time and attention to get a proper diagnosis, to know truly why you can't pay attention. Because if you're just using a medication that turns on the prefrontal cortex, but is not helping you train your brain, um, and antidepressants increase neurotransmission, including dopamine, exercise does that too. Sunlight does that also. So making sure that you know, we are looking at the whole picture, depression, treating depression, treating anxiety, learning what is occupying your brain. I teach the Mentally Strong Method, which is about thinking through your problems, organizing them, and making choices in line with what you want. This is that organizational piece. This is training your brain to be able to control your brain. I often hear people say, I can't control my brain. And there are some mood disorders that that is true. But in in pure inattention, I want you to think about training your brain. So number one is the time and attention to finding the real cause to the inattention. Number two is learn to train your brain. And number three, is manage your expectations around how much time that might take and when it's time and appropriate to take medication, okay? I'm Christy Bundakumar. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner with over 20 years of clinical experience. And as you've heard, I've also had to navigate my own grief and trauma. And so I teach here on YouTube Uh, subscribe, follow, share, and be a part of this community that is uh, choosing to be mentally strong.